Driving Culture Forward. This is Hypebeast Radio. We're sitting down with Kareem Biggs Burke, co-founder of Rockefeller, as well as owner of Redo 96, November, 4th, 4th of November. November. Reasonable Doubt. Awesome, man. Biggs, how's it going? Everything's good, man. Can't good, complain, good. yeah. Awesome. So, I mean, like, let's let's just go ahead and get right into it. Air Force One, part of the Air Force One 100 collaboration. You're doing the Rockefeller Air Force One. How was that? I mean, it's dope, man. The, uh, the C... It's, it's actually an honor to see like these guys, um, in particular um, Don C and Virgil, yeah. who you know I look at as offsprings of things that we created. You know, coming from the Kanye's, um, you know, umbrella, yeah, definitely. And Kanye coming from our umbrella um, is something that I think is really dope because everything that we do, we always try to open doors for other people, mm. and to see how they've taken off, um, expanded. Uh, what we what we've done right opening up stores and then what they're doing in fashion um, I'm really happy to be a part of it and not obviously not to take anything away from Travis and uh, all the other guys too because mm-hmm. I think they're doing some dope stuff too but it's, it's it just touches me in um, in a different way when I, I see the offsprings of you know things that we've created man and just see the, that people are doing things and they're successful with it mm-hmm. so I'm really happy about that yeah, and I mean, earlier when we spoke, you mentioned like, you know, you guys were buying like 200, 300 pairs of Air Force Ones at the yeah. time, like early in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, how, how was the story? What was the story behind the Rockefeller, the initial Rockefeller Air Force One? Uh, it was just something that we did with Nike. It was going to be a friends and family thing. And it just became something that was highly coveted. And um, one of the most sought after Air Force Ones, they told me like top five of all time, um, yeah. especially on the resale market, which I just found out a few, about a month ago. Yeah. I didn't, you know, I didn't even know. So, uh, I mean, um, the love and the passion for the sneaker collecting isn't there how it used to be. You know, we were just, it wasn't, it wasn't even a part of collection, um, collecting back then. We would just travel all over the world you know and just buying sneakers buying sneakers just because we loved it it was about just staying fresh um and then now to see that people holding on to some of them sneakers and then the prices that they're going for is amazing so actually uh, a, a big part of my collection i had gave to my son and my nephews uh a while back maybe about five years ago and um you know they always asking for a job or to do something i was like well look go go on ebay and go get money you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely yeah and i mean with this shoe coming back out i'm pretty sure it's going to be like you know a collector's item again um I you mean, mentioned like you know there's people who've been hitting you listen, up for the pairs man, that's every second i mean there's people like hey man what's up uh, how's everything going uh you know we was in second grade together <laughs> i'm like okay <laughs> when, like i mean the people coming out the woodwork people who don't usually contact me everybody has something to say now there's always a conversation they want to start up and at the end of that conversation it ends when's the sneaker coming out how can i get it yeah and um or yo can i send you the money i'm like look first of all i don't sell sneakers right <laughs> that's nike's thing they're gonna the sneakers are gonna be in the store i can't you know say okay yo hold four pairs for my man i was like what i'm gonna do you go into bloomingdale's i'm gonna call a rep and say yo <laughs> they coming over there hold something for them so yeah people gotta understand that um you know it, there will be announcements uh of exactly when it's coming out mm-hmm. and i'm happy about the excitement and um everybody gravitating towards uh you know the logo and the air force one you know coming together showing allegiance but um i don't have any control so please if you want sneakers just hit at julia lang up she <laughs> she has all the <laughs> <laughs> oh man <laughs> 
So on your um, on your Instagram, you mentioned like you know just bringing them back out this time. Like this one's for the culture and stuff. Yeah. And then um, I also saw like a black and white version of the Air Force One as well. Like for the black album, mm-hmm. are there more colorways of the Air Force One? Well. What I wanted to do is kind of go back to the origin. You know, um, for me, every time I do something, I, I like to start with the Genesis and then build from there. Yeah. So for us, it was the white Air Force One. You know, I wanted to give that blank canvas and let people do whatever they wanted to do. Because I know there's a lot of people who do a lot of uh, aftermarket things. There's uh, people who like to draw and be creative themselves. So let people kind of touch that. And then, um, you know, if there's color waves or something else that Nike wants to do, um, you know, we could revisit that as well. And speaking of the Genesis, I mean, like, you know, uh, in the origin stories of it all, um, like last year you did like the whole Reasonable Doubt pop ups mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, how was that? I mean, that was dope. Um, you know, starting out, we did uh, LA. I told everybody because they wanted the first one to be in New York. Mm-hmm. And, um, Usually when you're doing tours, you never do your home city first, right? You, you learn the tricks of the trade on the road, and then you perfect it. Then you come back and do your city. So we started out in L.A., um, but by the time we got to New York, I think we gave some, we gave them something dope, you know, recreating D&D Studios, bringing the, um, the board that we recorded Reasonable Doubt on, and that was operable. So we was actually played the album through that and some unreleased Jay songs as well. But the, um, the thing that I like the most is when we did 22 pop-up shops in one day, mm-hmm. you know, all across the U.S. Yeah. And then every store, you know, um, shout outs to Concepts, uh, Almond Year, Social Status, Black Market, Politics. I know I'm leaving out a few. But, um, you know, those guys really did justice uh, for everything that we created and, then, and, and making it an experience. And when people come in, they got the feel um, what Rockefeller was about. Yeah. And there's like a clear distinction between like, you know, the the aesthetic behind like, you know, Reasonable Doubt Mm -hmm. as well as like, you know, Redo 96. Yeah. And then uh, Fourth of November. Can you describe that? Uh, Well, Fourth of November is a denim line. So that pays homage to, uh, you know, denim. It's, uh, you know, uh, pants, um, you know, outerwear. There's, you know, that's a full it's a full line. Um, Reasonable Doubt is a new streetwear line. That's going to do some things around merch, Mm -hmm. but um, it's going to also live on its own. And then um, Redo 96 is like a special design unit, but that's going to be more of a luxury uh, tier of distribution. Mm -hmm. So uh, with that, I wanted to create something that didn't just live in fashion. So whether it's designing tables, whether it's pressed juiceries, whatever it is, I can attach to it as long as it's it's cool and it's not compromising integrity of the brand and and we can do it um, where it doesn't seem forced. And for like, you know, a lot of hip hop fans, you know, they might look at the Reasonable Doubt tour, like they're looking at that merch, like, you know, with a whole Mm -hmm. new sense of excitement, just because like, you know, you guys didn't produce that much merch like early on. Mm -hmm. Um, Was that like a conscious decision to be like, all right, let's go ahead, bring it back. Yeah, that's what I wanted to do. But I I even wanted to do something different. So I had all the designers um, listen to the album Mm -hmm. and then actually take the lyrics and create graphics from the lyrics Mm. so i wanted to do something a little different nobody was really doing that at the time so you know it might have been one bar or two bars or a line that really stuck out to them and then you know a lot of times when people hear the, the you know those albums them songs they could relate to whatever graphic it is. So I thought that was dope to bring something a little different. And then that's what got me um, actually in a space for, you know, just to make it a streetwear line so Reasonable Doubt can live beyond just, um, you know, the merch. 
because it's you know for so long people want to see those same pictures and stuff and i want to keep that close to i don't want to let it out so much where it becomes um you know a, a, a space that can be overcrowded with just the same photo or imagery yeah so i want to create some new things for the people too so let's revisit those years i mean like you know the early rockefeller days like um what was what was your life like before like you know meeting dame and jay um i mean fortunately life was was great <laughs> you know so you go through some things and then you um you know where we're from and uh the three of us have a similar story because we all kind of succumb to the streets mm -hmm. so uh with that I was lucky to do, you know, to be uh, pretty well off, um, you know, in my, in my later uh, teenager years. But um, it was also fun times. So being in Harlem, being with, with the crew, my crew, the best out, um, about 13 guys. And it's like we live for each other. It was this brotherhood. And um, guys were all from different parts of Harlem. Some people that lived in the Bronx, born in Harlem, whatever. But we, we always met at 142nd or 141st in Lenox. That was home base for us. Mm -hmm. And that was actually the block where Dame came up with the idea for us to start Rockefeller. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that sprung out of the, uh, you know, the best out. And that's probably where... I learned all my early marketing, um, seeing that the impact that we had on uh, on the lifestyle and the movement that we were creating at that time. Uh, you know, most people refer to it as the culture, <laughs> but it's the lifestyle and movement. Mm. Um, but I think we, that that taught us a lot because uh, we seen how much influence that we had on Harlem and how, how much influence Harlem had on the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, Harlem, you know, is, is well known within the hip hop, like, you know, culture is being one of the most focal fashion points. Mm -hmm. um, like, you know, what, how, how has fashion influenced, like, you know, Rockefeller's career throughout? Um, I don't know if fashion influenced our career, but the influence that we had on fashion. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it was dope because it was three guys that always wanted to, to touch something, you know, it was that, that same, I think it's um, a little similar to what people uh, um, gravitating towards now is the gift of discovery. Mm -hmm. So being able to find that one or two pieces where you know that a lot of people won't have it, I mean, that, and then being expensive and knowing that people couldn't really afford it where we were from. It was a good feeling to be able to go back and then show these, um, you know, these new garments off, whether it was Iceberg, uh, Versace or Moschino, uh, you know, things like that early, Hermes early on. So, you know, we were wearing all the stuff in 94. Yeah. So, um, I mean, yeah, just speaking about like, you know, fashion in 94, like what, what were some of the major brands that you were wearing back then? Like I heard like Iceberg yeah. was like something that you were well known for. Yeah. So in 96, I stopped wearing Iceberg and that's probably why that. Yeah. Because um, everybody started wearing it. So it became mm -hmm. something a little more mass. And, um, you know, then you could it wasn't in just the two or three boutiques. It was kind of everywhere. So I just got tired of it. The price point was a little different, too. And um, I think the quality changed. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but you know, to go back, you know, we was, um, Emery, he used to love these, uh, Bobby Jones, uh, these, um, polo shirts too, uh, we used to wear, but you know, the Hermes, uh, Moschino, um, there was so many brands, but, um, a lot of them didn't really last, but it was in these small boutiques all around Soho. Mm -hmm. 
Cool. Um, I mean, so what, what motivated you guys to want to, like, you know, later on to start your own fashion line versus, like, you know, part, partnering with, like, a brand? I mean, like, during the 90s, there were, like, a lot of rappers that were getting endorsements. Mm -hmm. But, like, you know, Tommy Hilfiger, Ralph Lauren, et cetera. Like, what made you guys say, like, all right, instead of partnering with, like, Iceberg, we're going to do this by ourselves? Well, I think that goes uh, back to the Rockefeller story. So even, you know, having a guy like Jay, who, you know, arguably today is, the, you know, one of the best... Um, music artists ever i wouldn't even say just hip-hop mm. um all the doors were being closed so nobody believed in him right so we had to you know we took um fate in our own hands and chose to do that ourselves and even with the notoriety and the fame that we were um we you know that was happening for us and that iceberg um at the time even after jay put it in songs and we were seeing the, uh, the influence and the impact that we had once we talk about something how people will go and buy it right away mm -hmm. we asked them about uh, a deal an endorsement wow. yeah. and they turned us down what that's crazy yeah so that's what you know we said okay we'll do it ourselves and the same thing with Belvedere mm -hmm. so Jay talked about Belvedere all the time and they wouldn't um, give us even product for a video and then that's when we started Armadale Vodka. Mm -hmm. So every time a door was closed for us, we went and kicked it down and opened up our own door. Yeah. Um, so like, I mean, the early discussions of what Rockefeller would be, like initially, was it just to be like, you know, a record label? Or did you guys always have that vision of being like a conglomerate or it's going to be like- It was always business? a vision to be a conglomerate. Yeah? Yeah. Cool. What was like some of like the first like areas that you guys wanted to tackle aside from music? Um. I mean, it was really broad. I don't mm -hmm. think it was, uh, there wasn't a plan. It was <laughs> just like, we're going to yeah. do everything. Yeah. So like now when I tell you, like I'm, I'm thinking ahead, it's more uh, um, in a business plan sense. Before it was just ideas. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a white wall, you know, white paper. It wasn't anything going on. It was just like, let's do this, this. And the ideas never stopped. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I joked about it all the time because I remember we talked about opening a rock amusement park. Oh, and that was that was one of the things that we didn't do. Yeah. I remember Dame like we can have our own great adventures. We got we just like yeah, yeah we can do. It. You know, Dame's are a great motivator and um, not only an executor but uh, you know it's a great business mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean. Um like you know just just revisiting like you know how i came hip to like you know rockefeller and stuff and jay but um i recall like you know the streets is watching like movie mm -hmm. and stuff yeah like was that your guys's first like venture doing like all right we're gonna do a film no more music videos uh well that happened because we was we was following puff mm -hmm. and we released um sunshine a song with foxy and babyface mm -hmm. And Hype Williams did it, and you know the streets was like, mm, nope. You know we <laughs> we was we was reaching, trying to um, get that uh, you know that popularity and um, you know to cross over and, and get that um, acclaim, but it didn't do so well. So we knew we had to hit the streets. So actually, Shaka Pilgrim, she had the idea to kind of do this B sides and to do the streets is watching and mm -hmm. to make it into a movie. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, and again, speaking of like movies, like it's coming up on like the 15 year anniversary mm -hmm. of like, you know, Paper Soldiers, State Property, yeah. um, as well as Paid in Full, which is like, you know, one of the mm -hmm. well-known classics yeah. as far as like hip hop movies yeah, go. We, we finally got that classic through. That's that's the one I would say that I'm most proud of. Yeah. Obviously, Paper Soldiers was cool because that launched Kevin Hart's career, mm -hmm. you know, and I was dope too. you know, finding somebody that was so talented and seeing what he's doing um, mm -hmm. right now. But uh I don't think there's nothing like uh, paid in full. You know, that's that that classic like uh, uh, menace to society and things yeah. like that. So it kind of gave 
everybody around the world uh, something to see from the East Coast pr perspective. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I mean, like, you know, just with that with that film paid in full there being just such like, you know, a classic and stuff like that. What were some of like your favorite memories from like recording that? From um, recording what the like movie? Producing, producing the movie, yeah. yeah. Uh, just being around Harlem, you know, and seeing all the crowds grow up, you know, like being from a place like that growing up there and then being able to come back to actually shoot a movie was was really dope. Yeah. Especially getting all your childhood friends involved. So mm -hmm. a lot of our childhood friends actually worked on the film, mm -hmm. you know, to give that aesthetic, you know, the way people talk and everything like that, you know, so it, it had to be right. Yeah. Cool. So, um, yeah, I mean, like, you know, picking picking back just up on like, you know, the story timeline of Rockefeller. I mean, you guys were all over the map and doing everything. Um, so talk about like, you know, around the period around the early 2000s where you guys started like getting picking up more artists and those artists started doing like, you know, becoming successful on their own, like, you know, with Cam and Dipset yeah. as well as Benny and State Property and then Kanye yeah. as well. Yeah. And then you can't forget about Bleak, right? So Bleak he too. was, you know, one of the first artists that we had you know, even prior to Rockefeller, mm -hmm. and he had a lot of success um, as well. So Bleak was a staple of, of Rockefeller, but definitely, I mean, when Beanie came through and the whole state property movement happened, that was definitely uh, something that gave us energy all over again. So we took that and then made a label, a clothing line, a movie, you know, so we, we always looking to make things brands and then to make sure that the artists as well learn the business so they could become their own CEOs and they could branch away. So even though, you know, we signed an artist to four or five or six album um, deals, they could have walked away at any time if, if, we, if they felt a better situation was somewhere else. So we always want to teach them, um, you know, from our experiences, how to build their own because yeah. we know that it doesn't last forever. So we always say, look, do something outside of music. And I mean, like, I feel like each of those, like, you know, artists and groups definitely took that, like, you know, advice yeah. and they, they've done, like, their own things as well and yeah. became successful, like, you know, on their outright, where it just didn't feel like they were tied to, like, you know, a yeah. label. And DJ Clue, too, I want to give him a shout out. I don't talk much about him, but, uh, you know, he was a big part of it, too. And then he was the first uh, mix uh, tape DJ to go platinum. Yeah. So we did that, you know, we did that as well. Talk about like, you know, that that um, just that mentorship that you guys did, like lend out to like your artists and stuff as well, because today um, I, th I think there's like a juxtaposition between like, you know, up and coming artists that that are that do go the independent route or end up signing with like a, la a label. There doesn't seem to be that much mentorship there. Yeah, I think um, so g going b back to the beginning, I didn't know much about the business mm -hmm. um, and, per se, you know, per se, I just um, believed in Dame and Jay. So when they came to me and, you know, asked me to be a part of it and me giving them an offer, they couldn't refuse, you know, <laughs> it was it was a great thing for all of us. But, uh, you know, the integrity and the honor that we had, we knew that we wouldn't take advantage of anybody. Mm. So even when the artists would come to us to sell their, um, their publishing, we would say, no, that's not how you do it wait till these songs come out, wait till you get some traction and then go get a publishing deal because you'll get more money that way. Mm -hmm. So we was, it was all about just being fair, you know. So that's that was just something that, you know, we, we came up on and, you know, it was easy for us to kind of just show the next generation how to do it and um, how to monetize exactly what they what they had going on mm -hmm. in and outside of music. Yeah. Um, you mentioned like you know early on you didn't you didn't really know that much about the business side mm -hmm. of the music. Um, what what were some like you know things that you've learned over throughout the years that really helped you like not just within like you know any music endeavors that you may have done but also like you know with clothing as well. 
Well, I think anything that I do, I try to learn everything from A to Z. So yeah. it was a learning process. Dame had more of the business knowledge then because he had managed two different groups prior mm -hmm. to um, managing Jay. And because the labels did hit, didn't um, do right by him, he had to go and learn every single uh, position. So when we started, you know, I spent a lot of time with the marketing department. Um, I spent a lot of time with the radio, legal, uh, then it's the publishing, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, the, well, the street team going back to market and then the video department. So we had probably about five or six in the beginning. And um, everybody that, it, was, it wasn't too many people that was really seasoned at that time, mm -hmm. um, but we all kind of learned together. And we just kind of put ideas t um, together. And like Jay said, the genius thing um, that we did is we didn't give up. Mm -hmm. So we always believed in ourselves, and we had self-motivation as well. So we was always able to push each other and then push um, ourselves um, beyond whatever limits there were. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I, you know, just the success story of like, you know, just Rockefeller. Um, it, it's it's very like, you know, just in, inspiring because it's like you guys learned on your own mm -hmm. and you guys made mistakes along the way and then but corrected those later and then like you know that helped flourish like you know later on in your careers um yeah I, I mean i mean like you know just how do you think that like a lot of artists or just like you know groups can learn from that nowadays because it, it does seem like there's a disconnect where it's like you know they're they're coming out the gate they might have one successful song and then they're they're successful over the night and there wasn't really that much of a learning curve there yeah i, I mean this is it's all about studying your craft you know uh it, it's, it's funny because uh we didn't have it wasn't like we were uh, schooled, you know, Jay dropped out at 10th grade, um, mm -hmm. Dame got his GED as well. I'm the only one, luckily, that graduated from high school and I hated school. So I would tell kids to stay in school. It's a lot of things that you can um, learn from there, but also internships. So a lot of the people that have success right now in the music industry, a lot of them all intern for us, mm -hmm. you know, so you know, you think about where Emmanuel is right now, the VP at, uh, at Atlantic, um, you know, Shaka being the president, you know, she was the president of Rock Nation. Uh, Lenny S, you know, another guy, street yeah. team, you know, G. Robeson, uh, managing Nicki Minaj, you know, he was our intern. Like Shari, you know, she was uh, vice president over at Atlantic as well. Mm -hmm. Interns, like all these, <laughs> all these people now, they're in a place of power and um, Latrice as well. Um, over at Epic, so it's 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 so good to see, you know, what came out of it because it was always like a family atmosphere as well. So we really cared about everybody. So we would want to hear about what's going on at home, how we can help, and it was a big family unit. You know, people would bring their kids to work. Everybody knew each other, families, and it was um, it was a relationship that was built with everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so speaking of like, you know, that, that family dynamic, um, how, mu how much of that, like, you know, changed once you guys did the partnership with Def Jam? It, it didn't. It, it didn't. And it actually grew because we had to um, be an even tighter unit because we knew that Def Jam was fighting to take, um, you know, some of the notoriety that we were building, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, we see their logo on something or if we do a tour, they want to give out jackets, uh, something like that. So we became even tighter and we became a force to be reckoned with because then 
people started to see that we can really do this on our own, you know, so it was a co-venture and um, we, we needed their resources for some things, but a lot um, we was able to carry on our own. Gotcha. Can you uh, real quick just like, you know, d define like a co-venture because there's a lot of like artists nowadays that are say like we're, we're partners with like, you know, a label, yeah. but they're not really partners. Like you guys were like 50-50 partners yeah, as far yeah, as revenue so, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we, well, we were, it was 50% uh, percent us, but it was 25% Def Jam and 25% Universal. Gotcha. So a lot of people, they see uh, backstage when um, Dame was calling Kev Lyles a quarter water. water. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's where that came from. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we had uh, a great deal back then because it was built in with a formula. Mm -hmm. So we knew that we would be selling the company in a certain amount of time. So it was advantageous to us to push the numbers up and to sell the records that we did. And even though the deal was, um, it was probably more against us than for us, because it's usually um, a, a artists start to fail um, their second or third album in, in the rap career, especially back then. Uh, we actually hit it out of the park on our second album, um, during, you know, with that co-venture with yeah. uh, Hard Knock Life. So after selling six million records and um, we sold um, um, half of the company in 2002, and then we did an extension mm -hmm. to 2005. Yeah. And then after that, we um, stayed on for consulting. And then we started, uh, you know, two different um, labels. Mm -hmm. Do you ever, like, you know, get any, like, uh, just aspirations to jump back into the music whenever you see, like, you know, just no. how, like, some of these artists are no. handling their business? No. You're like, now I'm no. over it? No. And I mean, I'm getting a lot of calls from artists too, especially a lot of um, upcoming um, artists, you know, uh, like 21 Savage Management Team, uh, shout out to them, Key and Meezy, um, A Boogie, uh, you know, his uh, CEO, uh, QP, shout out to him. Um, people call, um, Danny Sue from Fetty Wap's uh, team, they call me all the time, um, and Young Thug's crew as well, shout out to them. Uh, for advice and I'm just I'm just here to give free advice I don't want to be in the business if it's, if it's a relationship that we can build and I can help them do something outside of music I'm more interested in that mm -hmm. but if you know if they need help for music I'm just a phone call away like yeah. I'm not trying to monetize that mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and another, like, you know, uh, another artist that's been, like, very outspoken about, like, how influential you've been to them is Pusha T. Um, yeah. Mix drugs and show money before yeah. work on tour. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, how was the relationship phosphor between you and um, Pusha? Um, it, it's, it's been really good. It's funny because I didn't know um, him personally um, until a few years ago. So uh, hearing this, uh, my name in the songs and stuff like that and him paying homage, um, was great and then once we got to meet each other you know you know from his perspective he was like you know it was legendary it was good to meet but I, I was a fan of his too mm. you know what I mean obviously the, the clips was dope you know yeah yeah definitely um okay so no longer music is are you just focusing now on like you know fashion and all, all that comes with it as well as like I heard I heard like TV might be a possibility too um yeah there's a film division as well too okay. so uh we're looking to, uh, to see what that um how that's gonna pan out. I mean, there's a lot of things that I do outside of music. I don't wanna talk about that now. Those would be, you know, other uh, things in the financial area and investing yeah. that um, would be the next chapter. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I wanna come and talk about that as well. And then um, also kind of bring the, open up doors in a different way where people probably wouldn't thought, um, wouldn't be thinking something I would be doing. Um, but that's going to be coming soon too. So it's a lot of things that I'm doing uh, with investing and uh, 
in uh, M&A's mergers and acquisitions as well. Now you mentioned um, earlier, like you know that you're that you're happy to give out like music advice. Do mm -hmm. you like you know ever like think that you'll down the road give out like fashion advice as well? Just on like yeah, you know, what I to give do? out advice. What yeah yeah definitely all the time, all the time. However, you know whatever I can do to help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, I mean, let, let's talk about like you know just like your first. Uh, I guess so I want to say like foray into fashion, like you know, with Rockaware, um, and then like everything that you've learned through there. So like, um, were you like were you always like into into fashion? Was that always like a thing that you thought about? Like, yeah, I can it, one day be, I, I, be a I designer. I didn't. I didn't. I never thought about it from a um, business perspective. It was just about staying fresh, and we liked clothes. Mm -hmm. But once there was an opportunity to get into business, then it was like, how do you you know? You got the same thing. You got to go to every different department mm -hmm. and learn the business, right? So the same thing is the sales, is the manufacturing. You know, I talked about it earlier. You know, with CADs and tech packs and mm -hmm. and design and knowing what you could and can't do, and you know, logos and legal and I mean, it, you know, it was it, it was a, a huge learning curve for us there too. But after you got that knowledge, you know, it was easier for the second time around for me. Mm -hmm. What was the exact moment when you like knew that you guys had something with Rockaway? Uh, probably 18 months when, you know, we started doing $90 million in 18 months, wow. you know. Yeah. So, I mean, Rockaway back then became a $700 million company. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we did $90 million in, in 18 months and that was like crazy. Like it just exploded, you know. Mm -hmm. So there was definitely some good stuff around too and competition too with Fat Farm being one and then Sean John I think coming right afterwards mm -hmm. um, but you know we was able to hold our ground yeah all right cool so um I mean let's let's go ahead and fast forward and just talk about like nowadays with like you know your ventures mm -hmm. and redo 96 what was the decision to change it from like you know rock 96 to redo 96 um I, d I wanted to leave rock where it is yeah you know and uh like doing this collaboration with uh, Nike and the Rockefeller Air Force One I think is really dope but um, I want to kind of move past that, even though uh, there's always going to be something dear to my heart. I don't want everything to be rock, rock, rock related, you know. So mm -hmm. Jay's doing Rock Nation over there as well. So I just wanted to kind of do something different. I thought Redo um, had something to do with the past, but it also has a lot to build in the future. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Um, and then uh, I, ju I just wanted to get your thoughts on like, you know, uh, Jay Jay's latest album, like 444, mm -hmm. um, just as it just as you've like, you know, discussed about growing throughout your career and like, you know, just how you're thinking, like, you know, three to four years ahead as well. It seems like Jay's in a space right now where it's like it's no longer thinking about like, you know, we don't just want a piece anymore. Like we want to be like our own, like, you know, conglomerate as well. Just mm -hmm. doing everything that he did with like, you know, Rockefeller with you guys, but doing it like even bigger now. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, he has title and stuff. Yeah. Um, what were some like your your favorite business takeaways from like that album? Um, I don't know if it was a business takeaway because you know me and Jay is a, you know we're we're pretty close so we speak um, often. But the biggest takeaway from the album was him uh, placing himself in a uh, putting himself in a place of vulnerability and letting the people uh, and open up in a different way. You know, especially after, you know, Beyonce's coming out with, you know, came out with her album and for him to kind of open up, but not only about what happened with their relationship, but just overall in his life and then talk about, you know, things that happened from the beginning up to now. I thought that was great, you know, to show the uh, maturity uh, and see where he is now in his life and, um, and 
talking about financial responsibility, you know, and things like that, and really trying to school people, you know. So we came into the game and there was a lifestyle, right? You know, the platinum, the Cristal, the Range Rovers, the cars and the luxury. But now it's like, okay, look, I learned from that. You guys don't have to follow and do what I did. Mm-hmm. You know, this is where I'm at now because I made some decisions and this is how you can get here by making these decisions without going through um, the pitfalls that I've been through. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I mean, like in other current news as well, like there's been DJ battles going on between like, you know, Swizz did one with uh, yeah. with Just Blaze and there's talks of like, you know, Timberland and Pharrell doing one, both who produced for like, you know, Jay. And then there's also a possibility of like Pharrell and Kanye. Like, what do you what do you think about those DJ battles given like, you know, just the stories of how there used to be beat battles yeah. um, in, in, in the studio sessions with you guys? I mean, I think it's dope because at the end of the day, everybody's kind of laughing and hugging it out. Yeah. You know, back then in the battles, after the <laughs> battles, like, man, this and that guy might be going to get his gun or something crazy. <laughs> <laughs> something crazy yeah but i i think it's dope man mm-hmm. i think it's real dope and and, it, and it's, it's something different mm-hmm. you know so especially now with all the social networks where you could kind of watch it live or you know or, or go on youtube and see what happened i think it's real dope especially that people are participating on a high level that yeah. that these producers are on mm-hmm. who would you like to see like as far as like a matchup who do you think that people are sleeping on that like you don't want to battle this person um i think bink and uh just blaze yeah that's who you want to see next. <laughs> <laughs> that would be good. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you mentioned you mentioned social media um, and, and like you know just how like that's given people a whole new way to like you know just engage with their favorite artists. Um, how do you think that social media would have like you know affected Rockefeller back then? Um, I think we try to adapt to whatever is going on. Um, the the difference now is that people think everybody's an influencer because they have uh, a certain amount of likes or followers, you know. So just because, you know, a million or two million people um, are following, whether that's paid or not, doesn't make, you know, make you an influencer. So I always look at the people who influence the influencers, right? And it doesn't matter um, what they have socially, but I, I can tell by, you know, the, um, whether they're charismatic, how they carry themselves or what's going on. You could kind of feel their movement without um, paying attention to the numbers. Mm-hmm. So that's more important. Are there any like, you know, uh, just current up and coming like, you know, movements, whether that be like music or anything outside of it that makes you like, you know, inspired these days where you're like, all right, this is this is dope. This is something I can mess with. Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, there's a lot. But for me, I'm looking at things that's outside of music right now because I'm trying to expand, you know, I guess my empire, you know, sort of say. But uh, I'm actually looking at things outside the U.S. and uh, I'm going to be traveling really soon. So I'm hoping to really um, bust down some doors in a new way and just show people like, look, in a short amount of time, no matter what you go through, you know, you can make it as long as you have, you know, self-motivation. For me, it's my belief in the Lord, you know, mm-hmm. and that that's what carries me and gives me my strength every day. But, um, you know, I just want to show people from example, you know, and then and be humble you know while i'm doing it so a lot of times you know back then you always had to stand guard and and everything um like that i think that that's something also that i see different in jay um how humble he is at this point you know you would think at this point uh, of him um success business wise financially that he can brag or do whatever more than ever mm-hmm. but he turned all that back you know and and, and has become more humble so i appreciate that yeah 
So, um, I mean, the way that we like to end our podcast is just by, like, you know, offering some advice for aspiring creatives that might be, like, you know, interested in doing a similar career path. Um, that being said, like, you know, if you were to rewind the clock and then go all the way back to, like, you know, the very beginnings of Rockefeller, where it's like, you know, Dame's like, all right, this is what we want to do with Rockefeller. Um, what were, what would you, like, what advice would you lend to, like, you know, all three of you guys on, like, you know, how to be really successful in the business or even more successful than you guys have been? Well, I think part of our, another part of our success, too, was our stamina and our ability to, you know, work long hours and do things that other people um, didn't want to do but some people only have the stamina to go so far so not to overexert yourself but at the same time learn as much as you can about the business before you get into it so as much success as we had our first album you know we didn't sign the best deal for reasonable doubt even though that's something that we still own today together um, we could have done much better because we lost probably three or four million dollars um, after going gold so really know the craft of the business. Don't just have an idea, but figure out what the numbers are and and, and, and and then use that as a platform to try to get into something else. So in a lot of, t and early on also, we spread ourselves really thin. Um, um, after we had the success, you know, having 20 and 30 companies. So I would also say um, build a good team, but more importantly, um, build a team that with people that you want to be in relationship with. Don't just chase the check. It's amazing. All right. On that note, thank you for dropping by. Yeah, you know, thanks, we appreciate it. Thanks for it. having me. Of course. Um, and we look forward to see what you got next. All right, cool.